You're listening to Stir Crazy with Steve Jenkins. Conversations with creatives during the quarantine. I like that thing, man. I made that beat a couple days ago, just kind of on the fly. I've been making a lot of music lately. I'm writing for a record, but I find that I do writing exercises just about every day. That shit might be the new theme to Stir Crazy with Steve Jenkins going into 2021. Um, But I'm going to keep making stuff, so I might change it every week. We'll see. In any case, welcome to Stir Crazy with Steve Jenkins. I am Steve Jenkins. This is the 30th episode of Stir Crazy with Steve Jenkins, which is pretty exciting. Um, I figured we'd get here, uh, to be honest, because we're going to be in this thing for a while. And like I said on a few episodes back, I'm going to keep doing this even after the pandemic. Um, I think there's a lot, a lot of cool stuff that has been discussed on here. I think what started out as an idea just to sort of compare notes with fellow creatives about what they were doing during the lockdown period or when whenever the period between now and when we can go back to work, it's been interesting to hear what people uh, are doing with their time and and their creative outlets Um, and, and survival in some cases. But what I found is most of the episodes, we don't spend very much time talking about that stuff. And it's more just about the craft or different elements of creativity or, or, you know, things of that nature. Survival comes up sometimes, but by and large, I mean, it's, it's interesting and, and it's been amazing to talk to people um, just about stuff that uh, that we're thinking about in the day to day. And sometimes that's political. Sometimes it's trying to process like a very scary present day with with this pandemic taking out all kinds of people and people who are not willing to pay attention to facts and listen to the science. Um, then we have, you know, a fucking baby tyrant of a president that can't accept that he lost. Um, So, I mean, the backdrop for discussion, there's plenty of stuff to talk about, but what's been interesting is that it generally goes in the direction of creativity, music, um, what people like to do, um, what their process is, things that people are interested in besides music. I find all this stuff fascinating. And so I'm as much a fan of this show as the people who have, told me they liked it uh via you know message or whatever so um here's the 30 episodes thanks to everybody who's been listening to this thing since the beginning uh i feel like it's something that's going to continue to evolve and uh it's been great so far and i'm looking forward to doing more of it my guest today is the amazing nigel hall Nigel's an amazing singer, keyboard player, multi-instrumentalist he actually plays some bass and he's quite good at it Nigel has been the singer and keyboard player in Lettuce full-time since 2015. Besides Lettuce, he's played with people like Soul Live, Eric Krasno, John Schofield. He's toured with Robert Randolph. He was in Warren Haynes' band for a while. He's done stuff with Talib Kweli. You might have heard him on Snarky Puppy's Family Dinner Volume 2 doing the song. I think it was a bonus track called Brother, I'm Hungry, which is absolutely excellent. Not only that, Nigel co-founded the band Nth Power with my good friend and amazing drummer Nikki Glaspie. And he also just did a record with one of my favorite bands, Butcher Brown. 
Nigel has two solo records. One's called The Face of Things and the more recent, most excellent, ladies and gentlemen, Nigel Hall. There's also a really great cover of a Stanley Clark song on that one, and we talk about that on this episode. Nigel and I talk about all kinds of things, including where he comes from, what his favorite Christmas song is, all kinds of musical stuff. You know, he's he's like a walking encyclopedia of all things music. We also get philosophical and talk about the importance of living your truth and bringing who you are into your music. This is definitely one of my favorite episodes yet. I love talking to Nigel. It it went to some places I wasn't totally sure it was going to go, but it was great. I think you're going to like it too. I couldn't have picked a better guest for the 30th episode. He and I talked on Monday, and here's how the conversation went. Here's Nigel Hall. Nigel Hall, thanks for coming on, dude. Steve Jenkins, what's going on, bro? Wake up and rage. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that's the current mantra, man. That's, that's yeah. at this point in this particular year. That's absolutely that's the blueprint, as they say. Um, I was trying to remember when you and I actually met, because I feel like uh, this is like some nerdy shit, man. But fuck it, like you know, like our. I was looking forward to that. That's great. <laughs> Like we have, you know, we have this like collective group of musicians. It's it's kind of like the Marvel universe. So like, <laughs> but I can't remember. I can't remember where specifically we first crossed paths. Like I don't remember if it was like through lettuce or if it was something else, man. I'll tell you exactly where it was. We were in, we were in New York City. Okay. And. I think it was around the time that Eric Krasno's Chapter 2 first started playing a lot everywhere. And um, Chris Lofton was on bass that night. Right. And you came in and you sat in on bass. And that's when you had the green bass. Right. I can't remember what kind of bass it was, but uh, you sat in. And I think Chris actually played your bass at first. And I was like, where did you get that? Fu-? I asked Chris, I said, where, I can cuss, right? I'm cussing anyway. Yeah, yeah. I said, <laughs> I said, where'd you get that fucking green bass? And he's like, Steve Jenkins. And at the time, I didn't know you, but after the, after the set, I think we met. And then you, me, and Dites went down this super fusion hole, I think. And I said, I'm going to get your number and you're going to hear from me all the time. <laughs> and that was, ah, shit, I can't remember how many years ago that was, but it was a long time ago. It was a while ago. Okay. Yeah, man, my memory's fuzzy. But, yeah, that's just, that's that's what's interesting about how this whole thing is, man. It's like, there's so many weird uh, connections and, and um, one or two degrees of separation between people. Yeah, there were degrees of separation that's not many, bro. It's yeah. Not so, yeah, get in where you can, you know. That's that's exactly right. And so, you, how did you get into the lettuce, the lettuce fold? Like, was it Kraz that met you first, or was it Zoidus? I'm trying to. I, I well, think I knew Zoidus before I knew Kraz, so it was definitely Zoidus. Okay. Um, were you in Maine at the time? Because, like that, yeah. that's the other thing that was really interesting. Uh, I didn't know that you were from DC, but I'm 
sort of from that area being from Rockville, Maryland. And I think I learned that when we played. When we played Chuck Levins. That's right. That's right. Yes. So that's the funny thing about Chuck Levins is, yeah, I'm from D.C. Okay. When I was a kid, I used to go to Chuck Levins all the time and tool around. And they always, they would always kind of roll their eyes at me <laughs> because I wasn't buying nothing. I was just a kid. Right. I didn't have no fucking money. So, <laughs> so they're like, oh, here we go. Right. Here comes, here comes this kid. They didn't, they, I was just always this kid. They never called me by my name. I was like, this and kid. I used to get that treatment in there, man. Like when I, uh, I wasn't old enough to drive, but I've been playing bass for a little while. And, mm -hmm. uh, there was this dude there. He was cool. He ended up being cool, but as a kid, like he was kind of the, he, he, he said this outright. He's like, we buying today or are we trying? And I was like, I, I was like, man, we're buying, you know, and it would be like some $2,000 base or something. And <laughs> I ain't got no $2,000. <laughs> I just pretended it wasn't up to snuff. Like, ah, this thing's all right, man. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to buy it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah man. that's that, that's the story of our lives as musicians, bro. As kids, we don't have no money, right? We, and we and then we look at all the bass player magazines and guitar player magazines, keyboard magazines, and see all this cool shit. We right. will try that shit out. Fuck that. Yeah, I want to see how this shit works. Exactly. So if I go to a music store, I want to. I'm shit. Music gonna have to wait, bro. That's how. <laughs> that's how. That's what. That's what it's out there for. It's, and it's on and plugged into shit. Yeah, you ain't gotta pull nothing out and plug it in. Give me a break, bro. We're doing this. Yeah, it's a it's a tactile thing. I mean, the the weird, I guess, irony or victory is like they sell my signature base there, man. So, um, oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of an interesting. Um, that's awesome. Kind yeah, of see that. See now. See what Mike Jones say. Back then they didn't want me. Now I'm hot. They all on me. See <laughs> exactly. But see? Uh, where in D.C. did you grow up? Like where where were you? I grew up in the southeast. So okay. I grew up right in DC proper. Okay. In the hood hood. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean I spent I spent time in Maryland also. I I'm I lived in Forestville, I lived in Temple Hills, I lived in Brandywine. That's a lot of where a lot of where my good friends are are out in Brandywine and Waldorf area, where that where I grew when I grew up when I, out there. And that's kinda like rural Maryland, but it ain't it's still it's still very hood very hood out there yeah uh, uh, it's just it's just hood with houses rather than that been an apartment you know maryland's a strange state man like i don't think people completely understand the divide between or not like divide but there's a there's a fundamental difference between how a city like dc feels bro it's just like dc bro you can walk on pennsylvania avenue for two blocks and you can be right by the white house and then three blocks later you are in the hood people are People are asking you, to, do you want some crack? Offering to suck your dick, fucking crack. I mean, like White House, right there. Right. You know, like it's definitely, it's definitely happened to me around people who I just brought to DC and like, yo, then and they're like, what the fuck, you know? Like it's a, it's it's a it's a different kind of place, bro. It's a different kind of place, man. That's that's really why, and that's why I love it so much. The funny thing is, though, you know how gung-ho I was about the Redskins. I'm not a Redskins fan anymore. Right. Because the Redskins don't exist. They don't exist anymore. They're the Washington football team. Whoever couldn't get their racist head out of their ass to change the name to a name 
It's not just the, the Washington football team is the dumbest motherfucker on the face of the earth. So now I'm just a Saints fan. Plus, Saints fan raged way harder than, than any football fans ever. So I'm down with the Saints. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That whole thing got really messy, man. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing is I saw all three Super Bowls that the Redskins won. I saw Joe Theismann get his back broken on Monday Night Football. I saw Doug Williams become the first black quarterback to win an MVP in the Super Bowl. I saw Mark Rippon and, and, and Art Monk and Gary Clark and the posse just beat on just senseless, senseless the Bills in the last Super Bowl. So I've seen all of that. Yeah. I also was there for all of the fucking losses that we used to have every fucking Sunday from that <laughs> point on until the end of it. So I'm associated with the Redskins. The Redskins don't exist anymore. They're the Washington football team. Yeah. You know how much how herbed out they get on ESPN? They always call them the team that will remain nameless. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Like, come yeah. on, bro. Like, that's some real bullshit. That's some real bullshit. I know you talked to James Casey not too long ago. Yeah. He's a Ravens fan. We always get – we always – every Sunday we talk, we talking shit to each other. But, you know, that's – you know. The Ravens, that, that whole thing kind of baffled me, man, because, like, they kind of – it just seemed like out of nowhere, okay, here's the Ravens. And they had that- Yeah, because they were because, – because they were uh, – yeah, just out of nowhere they became the Ravens because they used to be the in they used to be the Baltimore Colts before the Colts just picked up. I don't know if you're even in football or in the shit like this, but like there's a really Yeah, in a peripheral way I am. You in know? a peripheral way, yeah. But like like they got these things on ESPN called Thirty for Thirty. And they have an episode on there actually about how the Colts ended up in Indianapolis. Bro, it happened overnight. It happened overnight. And what nobody, nobody's supposed to know till the next Sunday. And it was just real sketchy how they ended up there, which is also how I guess the Ravens ended up being in Baltimore because, you know, they felt like that for all of these years, you know, they needed to apologize for just up and just uprooting their team because the Baltimore coach had a lot of really good, um, a lot, a lot of fans. They love it. And it's, there's still a lot of people in Baltimore that still are like fucking Colts, rooting for the Colts in Indianapolis, even though they're Indianapolis and not Baltimore. But they was they they've been down since day one, basically. Yeah. So yeah, enough about that. No, that's cool, man. I mean that that whole neck of the woods is is kind of is kind of a weird. It's an anomaly, man. Like because there's so many uh, there's so many great musicians from that area, mm-hmm. and there's people that like low key are still there, and they just kind of. Um, well, in normal times, like they just operate from there and they travel when they need to. But right, exactly. There's this, yeah. It's it's really kind of a ridiculous city in that respect, man. Mm-hmm. Um, in that whole neck of the woods. So I have a lot of pride from being from that place, and and I sometimes wonder, like, what it would have been like if I had just stuck around there and not ventured out. But I, you know, like some of my favorite musicians in the world still live in that in that city or around. Well, I'm very glad that you didn't stick around there and you ventured out because there's more to the world than Rockville. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that's the thing. I had to learn that the hard way too. Well, how, so how did you what was what was the trajectory? So you were in DC and then uh-huh. what happened after that? Well, long story short, I followed a girl 
to Maine. Okay. When I was, when I was 15. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'll give you the, I'll give you the in-depth one day. But oh, that's cool. Yeah. But now, for, for now, let's just say I followed a girl up there. To okay. Maine. Sure. And uh, I had, I had, uh, I just stayed, I stayed up there for, and you know, I really don't even, I can't even be honest and, well, not honest. I can totally be honest, but I can't even remember. Like, I don't remember how I thought that I was going to make it somewhere as a musician in Bangor, Maine. I don't know how I thought that was going to be possible. <laughs> but, you know, one thing that I know about us as human beings is that we are, and musicians, is that we are tapped into another part of our brain that not a lot of people are tapped into. And when we understand that when you want something bad enough, you can you can actually will that shit into your life. Uh, because thought is so powerful. Um, it's just something that I always said, I always said that if this was going to happen, I was always saying it. And I was always doing things to like kind of make my, and this, keep in mind, I'm 15 when I went up to Maine. I've been on my own since I was 15. So going on, uh, what, 15, 40. I'm about to be 40. Well, I'm not about to be. I just turned 39, but I feel like it. So I've been basically, long story short, I've been on my own since I was 15. And like, I've always said that I was going to make the shit happen somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. Everybody was always talking like, oh, this baby ain't going to do shit. And da, 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 da. Or people used to, you know, my, my aunts, I, I had aunts in my family. I have, I have one aunt that I love so, so much. Because she's like the extension of my mom, you know. When I was doing that crazy shit when I was younger, mm-hmm. uh, she was always the supportive one. Because she always the one that had the records, too. Like, I'd go over to her house, and she'd have a whole bunch of records. And we'd sit there and listen to Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, you sure you want to listen to this? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then I had other aunts that would be like, oh, he going to either be a bum or he really going to be successful. But I don't think he's going to be successful. Uh. You know? That's cool. I love people who talk shit. I love I, I I and then then I didn't know how to deal with it, but I always I always understood. I always knew, you know. So you, at yeah. some point I met Zoidus and and then and then Zoidus was like, you know, Zoidus called Kraz, and then that's how I ended up in that's how I ended and <coughs> excuse me. Uh and I was going to Wally's a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. When I started going to Wally's. And then the word started to get out too, like, yo, there's this dude down there. I mean, again, I wasn't shit then, but and I'm still ain't shit now, really, to be honest. But um, wow. you know, I, I they heard about me through Wally's and then Zoidis calling Kraz and Schmeen's calling Kraz, calling everybody, you know. And then that's kinda of, that that's how it happened. And I've been been uh been here ever since. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty crazy, man. Uh, Cause the Northeast is really kind of an amazing area for what the it is. The Northeast is fucking killing. Other than the fact that it's fucking cold as shit there right now. Yeah. And during these months, uh, Northeast got to some really killing musicians. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, right. and, and all of the ones that we know, the real good ones, they're not really there anymore. There's still, there's still, there's still a few more. Yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them aren't there anymore. There's just a couple, man. I mean, um, like you know, we got we got Jeff Lockhart there and Charles Jeff Lockhart, Chris Laughlin, Charles Haynes, uh, Charles Haynes. Yeah, um, Amy Amy Bowles, Aaron oh, Bellamy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, because I met I met those guys when I was 16 years old. We all met at the five week program, so yeah, so I, it goes really far back with them. And then at some point, uh, there was a unit when I was in college. Uh, when we when we were in college, it was like Deitch, myself, and Jeff Basker, and that was the more the more fusion unit for a while. You know, that was like we were exploring all that stuff, learning like actual proof and stuff yeah. like that and yeah. um but yeah i don't know man it's that part just getting to that place though um because you know there's like the initial stages of playing and then the venturing out part whatever got you out whatever made you leave where you came from um right. i was gonna ask you this like what do you think what do you think is more powerful the desire to prove someone who said you can't do it wrong or to prove something to yourself well, I think both of them are very, very uh, important. Yeah. I think it starts as the, it, it always starts as the desire to prove to someone else. Mm -hmm. It always starts that way. But then I think as you get older, <clears throat> as you get older and you get to start to see what music really stands for as an entire, as a whole, not just, as you said earlier, in your peripheral, but as an, as an entire thing, then you start to see that what you need to prove to yourself. Prime example, my father, when I was nine years old, he's probably going to hear this at school because me and my dad are cool now. Mm -hmm. uh, at nine years old, I was listening to this record called Feel, and there was a part of the song where, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, where people kind of hook up on something that wasn't actually rehearsed, but it's, but it, but that's music. That's a beautiful thing about it. And I was just like, enamored by that and i listened to it over and over again how how they all ended up back on the one because i wasn't at the time i was too young to learn that i should be counting with these people also so i wasn't counting so they they would do they did this thing and they all ended up on the one back together and i was just like wow i could not fucking believe that so i said to my dad i said dad how did they do that? And he looked at me and he said, because they have discipline, which is something that you will never have. Now there's some backstory to behind why he had that kind of attitude. It's not really too important to get into that, but there was, he was, he was going through some different shit back then. That's all I'm going to say. Musician also though? Was he, was he? Yes. Musician also. Absolutely. Uh, my dad played guitar and he showed me, he showed me how to play, uh, he, I mean, he had a little knowledge on how to play everything, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, I, that's kind of where I have my love for bass playing from is him. But anyway, so so now you know how much I love George Duke, and anybody who knows me knows how much I love George Duke. I think I make that very very clear. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I call fast. Okay, so I was I was nine in that story, right? Fast forward to years years later, now. John Schofield to my father is George Duke to me, okay? Mm -hmm. 
And I remember I called him, you know, and oh, so just, just a quick rewind. So after he said that to me, like my heart just like, it just dropped. And then I just got really, really angry. I remember getting really, really angry. And I remember harboring that anger for him for a long fucking time. I never forgot. You know how it's like in the movies when people like think of shit and you hear the reverberated? They have discipline, discipline. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's in your so brain. I had that in my, in my heart and in my spirit for years and years and years. But I always said, all right, I'm going to show you, motherfucker. You think I ain't got, you think I don't, I can't be a good musician? You fucking watch me, motherfucker. <laughs> and then there's, oh my God, I harbored that. And just even talking about it kind of feels good to be that angry again <laughs> about something, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but uh, I called my father. I called my father. Here's the, here's the real flex. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flex is, the flex was, I called him from Schofield's house on Thanksgiving. Wow. I was just there at Thanksgiving. <laughs> so I wasn't working. It wasn't like I was working. Right. I was there hanging out. I was invited to go and hang out with your fucking hero, motherfucker. So don't tell me that I, and then, and then I ended up getting two Grammys after that. And then I called him again. And I guess when I, you know what I mean? But here's the, here's my point is that it started with him. It started with me being like, okay, fuck you, motherfucker. Fuck you, nigga. I'm going to show you what it is and who the fuck I am and why I'm not going to be sitting in the house at 30-something years old telling my kids that they can't fucking do it because you a fucking bitch and because you decide, you know what I'm saying? That's how I was feeling. I don't feel that way anymore. We've talked about it, but that's just how I was feeling. Now, fast forward to all of these years later, and you might call it that because I already had my, I already kind of, I already kind of did it, you know? But I realized that later on in life that that wasn't really making me a better musician. And then when I started to let that type of thinking go, mm-hmm. I became so much better at what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be in my life. And, it re- and what I learned from that was that I... I can't just because I can only get better and be better because I want to be better. Not because somebody told me that I couldn't be better and somebody they told me I wouldn't be better. Maybe, and maybe that's okay to use that as drive to actually become better. But when you see the beauty of what it is that we stand for as musicians, bro, we stand for the only pure thing left on this world for pe- on this world and people still trying to fuck it up but they can't yeah. they can't fuck real music up and i stand for real fucking music i don't stand for auto tune i don't stand for fucking cut and paste only if it's been a tedious day and we got and i'm tired and i got to get the hell out of here i want to do i want to do shit correctly all the time all the fucking time yeah and whatever impact that I make on people is because I've done so. I've done that correctly. And I make it a point to, to be as correct as possible. It's just like math. One plus one is two all the fucking time, all day, every day, till the end of time. Right. You know? And uh, when I learned that about myself 
and that and that and I learned that I needed to become better, not because people said that I wouldn't be able to do it or people thought otherwise, or I was trying to prove people prove to me. That's why I don't listen. I know a lot of people that can play circles around me. I'll never be able to do what they can do, but they will never be able to do what the fuck I can do mm. because I'm Nigel Hall, right? You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not Herbie Hancock. I'm not Corey Henry. You know, they all have had different paths in their life of doing things or situations that have happened to him or them that have caused them to be who they are musically. I didn't go through that path. I went through Nigel Hall's path, which yeah. is why I will never be able to do what those people can do, but they will never be able to do what I can do. And when I learned that and I understood that, boy, I'm telling you, like the, like the, like the sky got, the sky got bluer, the sun got brighter. You know, uh, music never sounded so good. It's like I took an ecstasy pill or something. Like I took like five of them. And yeah. I was just like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you want, it's like you, you kind of own your space. I had that you know, moment. Yeah, man. It's such moment. a beautiful moment. It's, I, 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 uh, um, I kind of use that as an example of like when people get the Holy Ghost. That's kind of, that's what I felt like. When, when I finally realized that I need to do this for me and I don't need to worry about what anybody says about me and what anybody says about what I do and what everybody else can play that I can't play because they will never be able to play what I can play and do how do it the way that I do it, which is why we are all in. The, if God made us the same motherfucker, what, what would be the point? Right. Now, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think... I think that's a really this whole this whole component of of self, right? And the whole mm-hmm. idea of being driven by anger. I think when you're a younger musician, because I I definitely like I have this. This is a theory I have. I haven't studied it, but I've deduced this from looking at like like people we know and like different musicians. And I think like generally, if you're a young person in music or any kind of art form, basically you're either doing that because that's your outlet to get your frustrations out and you love the art or you're doing it because you love all that, but it's also a community thing like in the church or like of service. And it's usually one of those two things. And I think, you know, they're like, they're definitely, um, they'll definitely springboard you where you need to go. But the anger path, it's like a spaceship, that's got like a busted engine. It's like, this will get you like 5,000 miles without any problems. But the minute you get close to where you want to be, the alternator is going to fuck up. You're going to start having problems with people. You're going to have to start to work on the, you're going to have to start to work on the car. You're going to got to, so you can get where you really need to go. Yeah. And, and I, I definitely see people who haven't grappled with that. You know, like they're, Mm -hmm. they're fighting, they're fighting a war that no one really, is aware of, you know, and it's like a weird thing, but, um, yeah, ironically, I had that thing with the playing when I got to New York, um, mm-hmm. because I realized all the people I really liked and was influenced by were my neighbors. And it's like, well, they're not going to call me to sound like that person when that person's literally like down the street, down the street, they can call that motherfucker. Exactly. They can call that dude. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I don't know, but in, in retrospect, yeah, I think that's the best thing somebody can, that's the place people should try to like aspire to get. And then 
I don't know if like the real work begins, but I think at least you're dealing with clarity that you didn't have when you were younger. Right. Right. Well, here, okay. Well, here's a, here's an example also yeah. too. This is also something that I kind of struggle with mm-hmm. during, during, during the Christmas holiday season. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be Melania Trump and say, I don't like Christmas because I do. There's, there's a lot that I do like about Christmas, but there's more than I, that I don't like about Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, than I do, and here's why: they're more con- they're more cons than pros for me. And one of the biggest ones is that these motherfuckers don't wait two seconds until Thanksgiving is over to start barreling you with Christmas music, barreling you with Christmas with with Christmas commercials. Oh, here come the Christmas commercials! It's not even midnight on November twenty seventh yet, and all here they come, right? Another thing is, is I kind of already hate this anyway, but I'm, I'm, I'm really, first of all, I'm a Virgo, which means I am a really picky motherfucker. Me too. All kind of shit. I am so picky. I am so, so picky. And it's, and you know, like my wife, like I, I told my wife the other day, I did a gig not too long, uh, like a couple days ago, actually, I actually did a gig. I can't believe it. Wow. <laughs> and, and my wife was there and I said to her, I said, and, and I dedicated a song to her and I said, babe, listen, I know you deal with a lot of shit for me. And if I was, and God had to tell, explain to the crowd that like, if I were dealing with me, I wouldn't be able to do it. And if, especially not for as long as she has. And, um, you know, I'm just really grateful for that. But anyway, here's, here's, here's my point. So I'm so picky. And when, when, when I hear people do covers, one of the things that I listen for is if they have any of the original elements in the song, on the original song that they're covering in their cover. Unless they're going to completely flip it around and do something completely. I would rather them do something that's, I would rather the fucking song not sound like the song at all, you know, for it to be their, because then it, because then at least that way it becomes their song. Yeah. Okay. Now, one, one of the, I, I, again, Christmas music, really a lot of it all at one time. Like at this point, I'm fucking sick of it. The first couple of weeks, maybe the first week after, after Thanksgiving, it's great because I was like, okay, I haven't heard this song in a while. And, then, and I, and I do actually like Christmas songs, but not at the rate that I'm getting them. <laughs> My favorite Christmas song, the one fucking Christmas song that I can listen to every day of every of of all the time, and no matter in July, I can listen to it. What is it, Steve? I know you know what it is. Uh, this Christmas by Donny Hathaway. Thank you very much. It's yeah. the one fucking <laughs> song that I can fucking listen to, and it, and 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 it's the coldest one. It's so cold, and and bro, I'm on Instagram. That's why I have to really, I have to not be on social media. I really have, I should delete all of my shit and never be on it because this is the type of shit that makes me angry. And I go on Instagram, bro, and I see these motherfuckers singing this, the one song I can listen to and just, and playing it and fucking it up and playing all kinds of shit over it that, that don't belong. And I just get, I just, black people ain't supposed to get as red as I get. I get red. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not supposed to make a black person blush, or as black as I am. You're not supposed to make you blush or get red with anger. And I get red, red, pee to bed. <laughs> okay? Yeah. It is, bro, it makes me so fucking angry. I get so pissed. And don't ask me why I get so why I tell you know why because that's my favorite song and everybody like there have been times where I've even sang it not I and I haven't fucked it up I've always sang it correctly I've whenever I sing Donnie Hathaway I have so much respect for his musicianship and his musician his shit to sing the record sing the fucking record I'm not doing no other shit other than what I heard on that record 40 million fucking times already. And I should know it because I have actually listened to that song 40 million times. Yeah. Sure. I mean, that, sure. that's the song that made everyone realize, oh, wait, there's a bass Rhodes. Holy it, shit. You know? Yeah, the bass. Well, actually, 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 that's he's that's a Wurlitzer. Okay. That's a, a Wurlitzer. It's not a bass Rhodes. Because you can, if you listen closely, I've even heard the multi-tracks of that, and you can hear that the vibrato on that. And the vibrato on uh, World of have one speed. They're not like a Rhodes where you can make it slow to fast. Okay. It's one, well, well they, have, they have mods also on World of where you can change the speed. I've, I used to have one where you could change the speed also, but yeah. I'd I mean, rather it stay one speed because that's what a World is supposed to sound like. But that's, but that's that actually is a World yeah, that's the mother of all fills too, man. I mean that. Well, that's Donnie playing bass on that, so that's yeah. just so killing. That's so then, there's a bass player down here in in New Orleans. His name is Kevin Scott. I don't know if you know who Kevin Scott. Yeah, is. I know Kevin. We're friends. Kevin, that's my man. Yeah. I did a Christmas show with him a long, well, seemed like a long time at at this point, but um, I did a Christmas show with him, man, and. Um, he and Bernard Purdy was on drums, and yeah. I think J. I think J. Bo Starks was there too, actually. But I don't think he was playing on that one. He hadn't come up yet. Um, but man, he started. He he played. He he was the first bass player that I ever played with that played that line. That that first of all, that attempted to even play that line. Yeah. Because every time I'd play with somebody, they'd never play that line. Which, which to me, okay, if you're not going to fucking play it right, then don't play it. Just, right. just keep yeah, doing what you're doing. Yeah, that's I a, would prefer you to do that. Because, I'll, I mean, at the very least, I'll handle everything that needs to be on the record from my end. So as long as I'm doing that, I, people, a lot of people, I guess, unless you're me and picky, and I'm on stage doing it, so I've already noticed. So you, you've already fucked up with me. But if everybody else, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If everybody else can, 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 uh, can, can get past it, then I'm okay with that. But he was the Kevin Scott was the first person to attempt and nail and stick the landing of that bass, and he played and he played it on a 72p, and I'm like, yes, fucking sir. If yeah. for no other reason, I, if you can't play nothing else in the world, you and I will always be friends because you played that. And he looked dead at me like, yeah, I got this. Mother. Like, you know how when you practice something <laughs> and then when you go to play it, because you, maybe you couldn't play it last time and then you start looking at everybody like, yeah, I stuck that shit, didn't I? You yeah. know what I mean? That's kind of how he was looking at me. And I was like, yeah, my man, I think I threw my towel at him. You know me, when I get, when I, when I get excited, I start throwing shit on stage. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, 
that phrase you gotta you gotta there's a gravity to it that um you can't you can't arbitrarily like play and at you really gotta point. nail it too because you gotta also understand the original is not a bass it's a keyboard yeah so the whole that whole that whole baseline is being approached from a different standpoint not as a bass player would play but as a keyboard player who would play bass or who would play organ bass for instance because that's probably the closest it's gotten to that i mean there were no neil evans's yet you know i mean there was there were there were organ basses you know play organ donnie played organ too he played all that shit and then I, and that's the thing is as a piano player you're supposed to learn the way you learn is you're supposed to be able to accompany yourself on left hand and play chords on your right and play the bass notes on your left if you have to me on the other hand I never had no real training. So my left hand is only good for comping and pitch wheel <laughs> and, and, and drinking. <laughs> I can still comp with my right hand and lean down and grab my drink, drink. Put it <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I, I can grab some chords with my right hand in between stuff, but, uh, and it also depends on what kind, what we're playing, and <laughs> you yeah, know exactly. what kind of chords am I needing to to uh, what am I what am I needing to uh, uh, comp myself with? Yeah, I may need to, I may need both hands for this. You know, I, mean, I, I may have to just be thirsty. Exactly, man. You might have to, <laughs> have to like just you know pretend pretend you're you're walking through a desert for a while yeah for real i got that at the end of the song yeah that that song when i see people cover it i take a deep breath man and i don't feel like i can exhale until i walk out of the i walk out i walk out if i'm listen (laughs) i went i went on instagram so this is how fucking wild it is for me (laughs) i i there's certain things that i cannot keep my mouth shut about which is going to be my downfall one day i'm sure um, I went on Instagram last night and let me see if I could just, I'll just play for you. I'll play for you my rant. And I, and I go and I try to stay away from social media and I try to just call a friend, you know, I try to, that's my lifeline, a phone, a friend, phone, a friend, and then just rant to them about it. That way I'm not pissed about it. But then I go on Instagram and I see this shit and I'm like, man, listen, let me explain something to you. So I'm playing this from my phone. This is another thing I hate about Christmas. Can you hear that? Yep. I hate the fact that people get on Instagram and they fuck up Donny Hathaway's song. It's the one Christmas song that I can fucking listen to. It's the one Christmas song. And everybody gets on Instagram and YouTube or whatever and they just completely fuck it up. Really wish y'all would just leave shit fuck alone sometimes. Please. Some shit don't, some shit you don't need to fucking touch. Leave shit alone. Did your mother ever tell you, leave shit alone? When you walk in the store, don't touch shit, don't ask shit, don't ask me for shit, don't look at shit, don't touch nothing, don't pick nothing. Just don't fucking touch it. Just leave shit. If you have the urge to sing Donnie Hathaway, because I'm not, you you know one of the good things about not having a Christmas gift this year. <laughs> I don't have to listen to anybody fucking that song up. 
being in the already how did it get all low? I put one of the filters on it with like my big mouth. You know, I want to put put your mouth on it, and it makes your mouth big. I'm I'm just being stupid. I mean, Dude. but I'm also being for real, bro. I can't I cannot fucking stand it. I you know what? Stand it at all. It's the worst thing ever. Yeah, I actually hadn't seen that, so I just guessed arbitrarily it was Donny Hathaway. This Christmas was your favorite one. Um, oh, that's all. Well, I mean, I mean, it's obvious. It's yeah, obvious. That's not yeah that. That shit sounds great in July, dude. That's what I'm saying. I can listen to it in July, and then I'm listening to it in July, and then I'm having all of these memories about all of the people I saw fuck it up. <laughs> you know? You know, and, and here's another reason I say this, too, as I think we've had this conversation before also, but I have a theory that every artist, <clears throat> every artist has an album or has, has, has a song of their entire career at least one song. Some of them have a couple, but at least one song that you are not supposed to fucking play or even think about playing. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Prime example. And I actually know that we always play this song a lot. You, me, and Dykes. We always, we, or we always at least attempt to try to play it. But it's always when it's just like a small group of people or it's just us. You know, us pushing ourselves as musicians. Mm-hmm. But as far as playing it live, you're not supposed to fucking play actual proof live. You're not supposed to because Herbie wrote that. That's why it's the hardest fucking song in the world to play is because Herbie can do it. Yeah. And it's his song. Right. And he, I feel like that's one song that he, there's a prime example of that. I remember seeing Herbie Hancock on Jimmy Fallon with the Roots. Yeah, and they did it. And, and they did it and they fucked it up. <laughs> fucked it up. They fucked it. They f- what, 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 what Joe Pesci say? <laughs> they fuck you at the drive-thru, okay? They fuck you at the, you know, they fucked it up. And every time, Herbie bailed them out. Every And here's how cold Herbie is. is he, only, he could do it with one fucking chord. One chord. Yeah. Instead of looking at you and being like, nope, we're here. He'll play one chord. And it'd still be the chord where he's supposed to be soloing at. But the chord is saying, if you're really listening, the chord is saying, yo, my man, you're fucking up. And then, oh, it snaps back. But then they kept fucking up the form and you just saw this look of disgust on Herbie's face. Like, man, see? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not. And, and, then, and then, you know what? Here's, 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 the other, here's the other thing. He stopped doing He stopped bailing him out. He's like, okay, you guys going to fuck up? You're going to fuck up on your own. And he just stopped playing. Mm. Yeah. You know what's weird is um the there's so many um things about that that couldn't really know about until the age that we're in now, like with the internet. Like I didn't realize that he did a soundtrack for a movie uh called Spook Who Sat by the Door. Exactly right. So that that's on there. And there was a bootleg that I had on cassette, which I actually had in the nineties, where they play it like that. They play it like a like it's a slower straighter tempo um you're talking about the one that starts yeah he played differently that was that was i think the first time because he played that as a ballad first which is on the uh which is on the soundtrack see now you talk see now you said the magic word I don't know how long you want this thing to be, but you just said the magic word. So you uh, might be here for a minute now. <laughs> it's fine, man. We got time. 
I'm just letting you know. Yeah. Um, on the soundtrack, he plays it as a ballad. It's kind and of like uh, speak like a child. Like it's kind of like that. Yeah, it's more yeah. that it's more it's more on that vibe, which is really crazy because uh you you have to listen to it a couple times to know that that's what he's playing. Yeah. And then when I figured out that that's what it was, because I have the vinyl on soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Or the soundtrack, blah, soundtrack on vinyl. Y'all know I just woke up. Um, <laughs> I, 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 so I heard it, and I'm like, oh, shit. It took me a long time to realize. I'm like, oh, shit, that's fucking asshole proof. And then I, but I had, but I had, I was watching the movie. Because that's, and that's kind of a movie I watch frequently a lot of times. Mm-hmm. The movie's about revolution. It's about the first black person in the CIA. It's not, I don't think it's a true story, but it's a fictional story about them letting black people in the CIA during the time where they didn't let black people do nothing. You know? Uh, and what he did was he took the, what the CIA told him, took it back to the streets and showed it, showed all of that stuff to some, to some brothers and took, and, and took the revolution to the streets with their own knowledge. It's a really good book. It's a book first. And it's a really good fucking movie. Um, but yeah, back to actual proof. Sorry. Yeah, so, so, uh, no, so, then, so then, okay, I didn't know about that, but I remember profoundly like how I felt the first time I heard the flood version. Because to me, that, yeah. was like, that was like seeing like a sunrise for the first time. Like, I think yeah, I really, I'm like, yeah I'm absolutely. Cried, and it's it's funny that you mentioned the flood version because I was having a conversation with my really good friend, Nick, Nicholas Payton down here. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, he was like, okay, actual proof, the thrust version or the flood version. And I was, and I'm, uh, and f- okay. Flood is my favorite Herbie record. I think hands down. I think of all of his records, my favorite collection of, of music as an, as an entire whole. If I had to take one Herbie Hancock record on a desert island with me, it would be Flood. And the reason why is because it's a live record. And it's so, when Herbie's live, Herbie is a whole nother kind of beast. So, but he asked me, he said, which version of actual proof do I like, the Flood version or the Thrust version? And I said, thrust and here's why do you do you know the story about this do you know the story about how it ended up on flood on thrust anyway because it almost didn't make it i heard that they were trying like i read the liner notes uh i haven't so i didn't hear it firsthand from anybody but i read the the official well like the story that was in the the liner notes what did you read i think it was like they kept trying to uh do it and it wasn't working and wasn't that it and then like they they're like, let's try one more time. And then that was well, the that's day. what it was. It was that the engineer was like, man, look, I am I, I don't have no more fucking time for this shit. I'm so sick of hearing this fucking song. We've been doing this shit all day. We're running out of tape. Yeah. We're running out of tape, bro. It's like you gotta fucking get it together. Yeah. And Herbie was like, All right, you know what? Hold on. He went in the back, did a couple numb yo whole rain kankyos. <laughs> came seriously, yeah. came back, came back. In one take, they nailed it. So this was a, of of the however many times they did it, just one time, just one time they did it was was when they nailed it, and then 
uh, this is how you could tell they, this is how you could tell like they were like, like, yes, without hearing them scream. Because at the end of it, you know how he goes, with the echo plex. That's how it's like, okay, Herbie, I fucking died. Like, Herbie was so, I could just hear him smiling. Yep. But I like the thrust version best because, uh, not for anything really super deep, but just because he played the Rhodes on it. Now, I'm not saying that he can't play, obviously, the motherfucker can play anything he put his hands on. Right. But I, because I'm such a Rhodes dude, I just love hearing him on the Rhodes. Yeah. And I think that the Rhodes pulls something different out of him than rather the acoustic piano does. Not saying that the solo on Flood wasn't deep, because you are right. It is like seeing the fucking sunrise. It absolutely is, especially that particular solo. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. The other thing is, like, for everyone that kind of would knock the balance of, like, rock music and funk music and jazz and fusion, Mm -hmm. right there, that shit is, like, that. I mean, to me, that's really, like, what a jazz pianist sounds like with a funk rhythm section underneath them. You know, or a jazz-informed funk rhythm section underneath him, because the way they're playing that shit is so. I mean, like they're 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 not skiing without poles, but it almost sounds like they're at that point where it's like, oh, bro, they are fully skiing without poles, bro. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. That's bro. That's the best. That bro, you just said that. That just really that really put it all into perspective for me. That is exactly what they were doing. That's what it. That's what it sounds like, and that's the thing. And that's what I keep saying is that we stand for the most beautiful, the most pure thing ever. And when you're that pure, you can ski without a pole because God tells you what to do. Right. God is making. God is. If you are in tune to this thing, and you playing music with your friends, because that's another thing that's really important too. That the people that you playing with, they really got to be your friends. They really got to be fucking down for you. Yeah. Because. If 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 you're not friends or if you haven't developed any sort of relationship with the people that you're playing with, then it's going to be impossible for you to make those movements that 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 uh, that drove me crazy as a child on that George Duke record that made me want to be a musician. That was the that was I think the oh excuse me that's the uh, that's the thing that I think made me want to be a musician was listening to that progress. I don't even think it was George Duke. I mean, definitely George Duke had a lot to do with it, but mm-hmm. I think that that progression and how they were able to do that and come back on the one as, 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 as smoothly as they did. I think that's what really made me want to be a musician. And when I was told that I couldn't do that, that's when I was like, okay, fuck you. Watch me do it. Right. You know, yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's bro, it's so deep, man. I feel like, man, I just woke up and I feel like that I've been up talking for hours. <laughs> I feel like I'm preaching. I'm preaching on on God's day today. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, were you <laughs> were you a fan of um, George's stuff with Zappa? Like, do you absolutely? I like love George Duke and, with Zappa. Yeah, George Duke, George Duke and Frank. Hold on one second. Hey, baby. That's my wife coming in. Hey, baby, I'm doing a podcast. Hey, no, it's all right. You look good. It's yourself. Um, um, George, let me see. My, well, the first thing, okay. 
the first George I heard was with with uh, Frank Zappa was obviously the One Size Fits All album. I hadn't at at this time I I hadn't heard um, apostrophe and uh, Grand Wazoo. I didn't actually I, I I hadn't heard Grand Wazoo until much later in my life because there was a lot of stuff that I was still figuring out that George Duke was on. Yeah. And that's the stuff I'm really on a quest for. Is I like to hear George playing with other people. Like my favorite period is his Zappa period and his Cannonball period, because these records of his that are my favorite are solo records that he did during the tenure of the time that he was with those two groups. Yeah. You know, so there's a there's a there's a uh, there's a sense of innocence in his playing, and not the not the not the strong. You know, we're not talking about Dookie Stick George. We're talking about we're talking about like I love the blues. She heard my cry, and the aura will prevail, George. That you know, and those these those records are records that came out during that time period. And uh, I really just love the innocence in his playing because, like, you can hear him. You can hear him learning basically himself, learning how to play himself. You know, and like Miles said, it always takes a, it takes a long time for you to learn how to play yourself. You know, yeah, exactly. and uh, he learned that particularly. He learned well, all of the all of the real dope shit about George was learned from himself, particularly during those Zappa years. So I think my favorite Zappa record of him is well i mean there's all of that fucking live shit i know there's a movie that just came out that i'm literally going to buy today and watch i'm gonna, I'm gonna do the same i haven't seen it yet. i've been i've been waiting we should oh. do bro we should do like a watch party how do they do these watch parties on fucking um you know how they do the watch parties on, on online or something like that i'm not we sure should do is we should do a watch party of that shit figure yeah. out what we should do i i, I fully do it bro i'll charge the, charge the old computer up right now i got plenty of weed over here and everything <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know how that's done, man. I've never, I've never done that. What's your favorite Zappa record? Um, it's 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 weird for me because there's a few that I really like a lot, and I think I think the one thing about Zappa that's weird is it's the kind of thing where you can hear the wrong record first and it could totally change. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. That's true. You kind of need a guide, man. It's almost. I, I know this is like probably a. I don't know if this is the most controversial take, but I feel like in a weird way, he and Miles Davis are counterparts because they have such a large body of work. And there's so many musicians that have come out of their bands that have done like ridiculously amazing things on their own. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, That's very true. So it's kind of like, it's a difficult catalog to drop yourself into, but I like one size fits all. I like overnight sensation. Um, I really like Joe's garage. I, I think there's, some amazing you know, stuff. That's a that's one that I haven't really gotten into yet. I haven't gotten into Joe's Garage because I just got I tell you one that I did just get into that I like a lot. It hasn't gotten my become one of my favorites yet. But I'm sure real hot rats. Oh yeah. Hot rats I really like. I know that's not George, but I can hear in the playing where he's starting to need a person like George. Right. And in fact, I saw an interview not too long ago. Um, and George said something about when he had came over from Cannonball. He said that 
Frank, he had never sang before. He had never sang before. And Frank was like, okay, you're going to have to sing. You're going to have to play synthesizer. And you're going to have to play Rhodes and all these keyboards because you're the only one in here not doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like he wasn't not doing nothing for real, but he was actually, you know, he was doing, he was apparently, according to Zach's standards, or Zappa's standards, that he, uh, he wasn't doing what he thought was enough i guess and so yeah. he had to put him to work hot rats has some cool shit like you know that sugar otis on bass on peaches yep. Sugi- i just found that out too and i was i was like i was floored when i found that out yeah um that yeah that's a great record man um yeah there's there's a bunch and i i'll constantly hear stuff uh like later on like i like zoodle lores a lot i like the song Zuda lores is a good one too I like that song, like the actual composition of Zoodle Wars a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, what about 200 Motels? You fuck with 200 Motels? I have. It's not something I've listened to in it's a while. It's not, yeah, it's not, it's not one of, it's like a really, that, and, and for any Zappa to be obscure is, is, is weird anyway, but that, that particular Zappa is, is, is much more obscure than a lot of the other things. But then you also have the You Can't Do That On Stage volumes, which which are really good, which a lot of which have a lot of George on it. And I'm like, okay, I like that. Because that because there again, like I said, when you play live, it brings something else out of you. You only got one time to get it right. So you really got to go in the to your the deepest depths of your soul to like play properly and play right, you know? Yeah. And when you get when you need to give something, that's when that's when you're like, okay, I really got to come from, I got to come with it, you know. Yeah, I you know, but I I love you know I love his music, I love his guitar playing. I know that's like it depends on who you ask, but I I thought he played some amazing shit on guitar. On oh, guitar, absolutely, bro. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, on have you ever heard feel? Have you ever heard the record feel by George Duke? I mean, I'm sure you probably have because I. I have. You. I have to. I have to. Those those late nights that I text him like, "Yo, you have to listen to George Duke because I'm so deep <laughs> in the George Duke hole. I need somebody to hold my hand so I don't get lost and die in it." Right. Right. No, I, I, need, I need to put it like because you know I um I I had just been listening to your record, man, and I I did pull out like that Clark Duke record because that cover of uh, "I Just Want to Love You" is so well done. But I like I, I thank you. I appreciate that. You yeah. know, I that of of one of the things that really annoyed me about that record. Um, I love that record. I love I love it so much. But one of the things that annoyed me about it is that that's the one song I never really could play live. I could never pull that off live, mostly because I didn't have anyone who I could who I thought I could really trust singing that with me. Shout to Alicia Shakur. Yeah, she's well, not great on that. I I'm, I. I I wanted to do that song because it was it was it was um that song was a part of my childhood mm-hmm. that particular song and I remember that my father and I used to listen to used to listen to Stanley Clark and George Stanley Clark is actually where it all started which we should start talking about here soon because we're both bass players right and we can talk about Stanley in a positive light sure yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Stanley's, um, you know, is a massive. He's a fucking beast. We're going to talk about that in two seconds. But he, uh, I, I wanted to do this song, man. And I was like, man, I got to figure out a way that I can do it just so that it doesn't sound so 80s. And I was, 
You know, because that song is mad 80s. It's on shit. The record came out in 81. Yeah. That record's 39. That record's bro, that, bro, can you believe that that record is almost 40 years old? I, I mean, I can and I can't. And, and I, I actually love how it sounds, you know? It sounds so good, bro. It sounds so good. You know, people like to get in their fucking uh, purist bag and tell them, oh, it sounds so 80s and it doesn't sound like the Dap Kings, but Man, fuck you and all of all of that type of thinking. That's I mean, not, you know, they're, because they're, they're, the music is supposed to change with the times. If the times change, the music is supposed to change. Yeah, there's it's a lot of people, to. Yeah, there's a lot of people copying that '80s vibe, though, man. That would like listen to that and feel like you know what? The I've only place I hear that that's happening is in L.A. People copying. And, or, or better yet, let me let me let me rephrase that. The <laughs> only place that does it correctly, that can cop that type of vibe correctly is motherfuckers in LA because that's kind of where it started was there in LA. Yeah. That type of vibe. That type of vibe. That record was probably made in LA, bro. (laughs) It probably was. Most niggas live in LA. Do yeah. Time, I'm sure. Listen, man, it's a unique perspective when you could be chilly in your apartment and there's palm trees outside. You know what I mean? No, you come on now. Preach Steve. (laughs) Preach. Preach Bishop. You know? But uh, back to that record. So I was like, all right, let me figure out a way to do it. This was one of the beautiful things about having Kraz as a producer on that record was that he really kind of helped me to learn how to produce and make records. And like, you know, I kind of came up with the idea to do it as a shuffle. Like we like say, let's take, let's take this song back even further. Yeah. Okay. The song was made in 81. Let's take it back to 64. If Stanley Clark and George Duke were making pop records in 64, how would this sound? And I immediately heard the shuffle because I have another song on that record called Never Gonna Let You Go, which is a shuffle. And everything else was kind of forward. So I was like, you know, a nice shuff. You know how we do, we, we, we demean words and cut them in half. So we're like, okay, so we have a shuff on each side. <laughs> the record. <laughs> so we have one shuffle here. This I'm gonna. I, uh, 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 I just want to love you, and then, and I'm so glad you mentioned that, bro. Nobody mentions that song to me ever. It's you and my wife, the only two people who've said anything to me about it. Well, yeah, I mean, dude, you know, it's like it's fucking Stanley Clark, man. Stanley Clark, like for me, was a pretty big deal. I mean, but I guess the way I got into. Um, the fusion thing was like through the first bass teacher I had when I was like 14. And, mm-hmm. um, like he, he had made me a mixtape of all these different great bass players. And it wasn't just fusion stuff, but there was, you know, Anthony Jackson with Shaka Khan. There was Jocko, yep. yep. Stanley Clark, Alfonso Johnson, mm-hmm. um, John Patitucci, uh, like off his first record, there's like man, a- you know what I've been getting into lately too. Uh, was uh, I've, I've been listening to a lot of the early weather report with Ndugu on drums and Alfonso Johnson on bass, not not Jocko. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, they were on some shit, bro. They, they were, were on some shit. I mean, I'm not saying that they were never on some shit with the Jocko years because they totally were, obviously, man. But Joe Zabinu is 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 a fucking genius bro like he yeah. really was a genius man and he does not get the credit that he deserves on uh upon being the genius that he actually was bro that motherfucker was so fucking deep and the music that they were making was just so deep man and like like my the record i'm listening to right now 
his tail spinning. Oh, oh yeah, that's a cool down. record. That's woo, that's the man in the green shirt. Yeah, that's how you, you open know, up a fusion record, dude. Dude, you know what else is good though is um the post Jocko stuff with Omar Hakim and Victor Bailey. That shit is great. And Bro, you know what? I guess I think I need to check that out because I have not. I'm, I after Night Passage, mm-hmm. that's as far as I've gone. Yeah, and I've gone, and I mean, I've gone from, I mean, like deep into whether like Sweet Night or starting there. Right, Sweet, that's the one with them on the clouds and shit. So that one, <laughs> and then you got um, right, um, Mysterious um, Traveler, Mysterious Traveler, Cucumber Slumber, Sir. Okay. Yes. You want to play fucking bass, bro? That's the one you do 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 That's the shit, dude. That's my shit. Oh my god, so hype right now, Steve. Yeah, he he never had a bad band, Zawano. Like, you know, that's the thing. Never, 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 ever. He's never been in a bad band, and he's never had his own bad band. Yeah, but you know. And that's why Jocko trolled them so hard because he's like, Jocko's like, all right, I want to go to the highest level of this kind of music. So I'm just going to stand around and troll the gig and troll until I get the gig. And he did. And it was probably, really, it was a good thing. It was was a good thing. I think that was probably the best thing that could have happened to Alfonso Johnson because then he got to go play with George Duke. Right, yeah. I I think there's, there's definitely, and I don't, I can't, measure this anymore because I don't totally know. Um, I don't really know how, how people see this now, but I, cause I think with the current younger generation of folks learning about bass, like I don't think there is, I know that like when I was getting into Jocko for a while, I was like, man, what's up with um, Alfonso? Like I hadn't really like listened to him cause Jocko seemed to eclipse everything. And then when I finally did that deep dive one, a couple of the tracks on Black Market, I thought that were Jocko were actually Alfonso. Mm-hmm. Like that song Gibraltar, that's yep. that's Alfonso. That's um, Alfonso. Don't um, it, let's tell the world that. Yeah, man. So like, it's it's weird. There's like a narrative I think that for a while it was like you know Jocko came and like you know revolution. You know he was kind of like the like you know the whole the whole like it factor thing and mm-hmm. not to not to devalue what he did for bass but just there was such a big story that went on with that instrument i think the 70s honestly was like the revolution or like the, the renaissance period for electric bass because even the rock oh absolutely rock- i absolutely agree i mean going going back to stanley clark and you know let's talk about <clears throat> let's talk about olympic basses and how they had like they didn't even sound like a fucking bass yeah, there's other things. Yeah, I, that's a you big. You know, I listen to. I grew up listening to Stanley Clark, bro. Stanley Clark was the first shit I listened to. My yeah. father sat me down at four years old and put <laughs> on Romantic Warrior for me, bro. And my life has never been the same since. Yeah. Okay. Because of shit like that, I'm like, what is that? There's a bass. A bass. Right. I know what a bass is supposed to sound like. I sit there and twinkle with the bass, and I know my our bass don't sound like that, Dad. So what is you know what I'm saying? Right. He's uh, like, he's like well, this, tapes you're on. probably gonna laugh at me when I tell you this. Yeah. But my favorite Stanley Clark album is Time Exposure. No, I, I, dude, that's actually actually of all the real ones, it's Journey to Love. I'll say Journey to Love is my favorite, dude. That but that but, song but, is so great too. Oh my God, it's the greatest! I heard that Brent. I heard 
Brandon Coleman do a version of it not too long ago. It was pretty. It was. I'll. I'll just say that it was really good to hear somebody finally fucking delving into that shit other than me. Yeah. Now that song. Yeah. I mean, at, like, what is that? Jeff Jeff back on guitar on that shit. Jeff like back at, on guitar. Steve Gadd on drums and George Duke, the mighty George Duke. Yeah, on, do that. On, on yeah. Everyone you needs know what, man? Yeah. Steve, I know I say it to you every time, and every time we fucking talk, we always talk about it. But man, we really gotta fucking do this, man. I want to start a Nigel Hall fusion, man. I yeah. wanted to be like, you know how I wanted to say the Nigel, like Chickaree's acoustic band, electric band, Nigel Hall's fusion band, and it's gonna be you on bass, me on keyboards, and we gotta and and maybe Deitch if Deitch wants to play something like real fusion, um. Uh, not that he doesn't play real fusion because I love Dice. Dice is my fucking. Yeah, Dice is my Dice, Dice I know Dice gonna hit it. But what the fuck you talking about, <laughs> Dice? I love you. And that was not a fucking. That was not a fucking derogatory comment. Okay, bro, calm down. No, he's got he's got that range, man. He can do he's it. He's definitely got that range, bro. When we did Chuck Levins, just the three of us, <laughs> in bro. That, and that was like my mighty return to Chuck Levins. Like, yeah, motherfucker, I might actually buy something now because just to throw it in your face. <laughs> I might buy, buy I might buy a keyboard and just leave it there, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I, yeah, and we got and get and, and a guitar player, bro, and just fucking play. Maybe maybe John Notto, maybe def, maybe John Notto. John can play that shit. John, I've always called John my Bill Connors anyway. So he, yeah, John's awesome, man. John's the greatest. John Notto is my best friend in the entire world. Everybody's listening. Check out Dirty Honey, John Notto. That dude. Yeah, those guys great. are great, that man. Fucking awesome. What? Yeah, time exposure is my favorite just because it's it's 84 so i was i had to have been three or four years old and it's it's really 80 sounding record but the songs on the songs for some reason i was able to hear the potential of the songs even then yeah. you know but uh he's but a great writer man Say it again. He's a great writer. I mean, you know, amazing writer. Man, that dude did that dude does soundtracks now. Right, he did like Boys in the Hood. Past- he did Boys in the Hood. Yeah. He did Undercover Brother. He did every fucking thing, bro. He stayed <laughs> in the nineties. He didn't do nothing but that. Yeah, that's why Stanley is fucking super paid right now because he's got that gruesome mailbox money coming in. Right. You know what I mean, yeah. No, I mean, and I, I think that's kind of speaks to the natural progression of of where where all this stuff goes because like i feel like everybody has like they're they have that phase where they're they're pulling their guns out it's like yo we're i'm pulling my guns out i'm gonna blaze this shit and then you get a little more strategic with it like okay i'm gonna do this but when it's time i'm gonna pull my guns out and blaze this shit like you know exactly but um i you know it's like i was watching this uh here's here's what made me think about this i was watching this old video of jean-luc pani's band uh-huh. And um, there was this long bass solo, and it turned out to be Randy Jackson, like from American Idol, and like you know, yeah. prolific yeah, side musician for a while. And it made me realize, like, man, everyone has their period of time where they're playing this kind of stuff, even if they don't make their career just staying in that, staying on that planet. They've definitely, like, he definitely has his Planet Fusion passport stamp, bro. You bro, know, for real, bro. And, and you know what? I used to give Randy Jackson shit for years until I realized who he was. And then I was like, oh, shit. I have been fucking up against this dude. Because, yeah. you know, he's one of them dudes that kind of, you know, that, 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 I, 
he felt I'm trying to figure out a way to say this without further hurting him again. But actually I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat him down and pick him up. All right. Here's here's here we go. He's one of the people that I look on TV and I see the personification of why white people think that we are the way that we are. Mm. You know what I'm saying? As black people in America. And it's really important to me to make sure that whenever I'm out and whenever I'm doing anything like this or whatever, I'm not, you know, I'm not um, being what society expects me to be. I'm trying to be nice about it right now. Okay. So he kind of personified that mentality to me. And I really didn't like that for a long time. But then I was listening to this Narada Michael Walden record. Mm-hmm. And I looked on the back of it and I'm like, who is this playing bass? Because they're crushing this shit. And I look on the back of it and it says Randy Jackson. Now I know the Jacksons. I know a lot of the Jacksons, uh, the, 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 the discography and the, the, uh, the material of each Jackson. But there's a Jackson Cindy. I didn't yeah. never know nothing about Randy playing no fucking bass. So as I decided to do my Googles, as Brother Daru Jones says, I did my Googles and I looked on it and the picture came up of Randy Jackson on American Idol. I'm like, okay, that can't be the one I'm talking about. Sure enough, bro, that Randy Jackson was the motherfucker playing fucking fusion. The music I love so much. And it was that dude. And I immediately took a step back and I said, oh, I was like, no fucking way. I called Krasno and I said, Crash, you gotta tell me that I'm you gotta tell me I'm tripping right now. I must be, I gotta be tripping. Okay. It's probably a little hungover that morning, so I probably was tripping, believe it or not. No, it's okay. But understandable. It's understandable. It's all right. Yep. Uh He's like, yeah, dude, that's Randy Jackson from that. And I fucking lost my mind, bro. <laughs> and Randy Jackson, if you listening, I will never disrespect you like that again. I will never. There's no way. Bro, listen. Do you, boo-boo. That's all I'm going to say. You do you. I'm going to do me. But, man, thank you for everything that you have done in the fusion uh in the fusion era because first of all I never would have known that was you and second and secondly he's he's his 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 dope meter is just as dope as fucking and my he's made my top 10 he's made probably made my top 20 bass players and him and Anthony Jackson are at a tie and, and Anthony Jackson's probably at about a seven. Wow so <laughs> so so yeah so uh, yeah, Randy Jackson, my bad, bro. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, but, like that's the thing. Game I mean, recognized game, bro, and my bad, bro. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that you have a he's been in the game for such a long time, and people's uh, people's thing morphs over time, you know. Um, and I, I think yeah. that's like a that's a strange that's a strange thing too, you know. But it it definitely I think is. Uh, it's interesting to see that trajectory, but that's what I think about. It's like, okay, there's, you know, people do that stuff for a while and then they probably have other interests. You know, like I, I end up doing that too. There's a lot of different types of music I like, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm missing people, man. I think that's, 
that's what this year has kind of brought me to. Like I'm, I've really missed people, man. Um, I do too. I'm not even gonna lie. I, I, somebody asked me this the other day. I'm like, man, I don't miss shit. I stayed sitting in the house. I ain't had to dress up for nobody in eight months, and you know, all kind of shit. I ain't had to take a shower. <laughs> I've had to, you know, I can sit around and. Listen, I've been I've been shedding TV. I, I I don't know how I don't know how to play actual proof no more, but I can tell you what's going on in power season seven. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm not gonna lie, bro. I miss I miss people too, man. I miss I miss the like I said, I did that gig the other day, man, and that's really what made me miss it too, is because I miss the feeling of all of us being on the same page of the same word, the same paragraph of the same book. Yeah. You know? And that don't happen. That doesn't happen in just in just conversation. No, not a not not a lot at least. No, what's you know, what's no. it like there right now? Like what you're because you're you're you've been well, in New Orleans for like yeah, 10 I'm years. in New Orleans. Um, I did a um, uh, I did a backyard gig. There was a backyard gig, and the, the cool thing about it is that the backyard gig was first of all I got paid pretty good to do this gig, which I was not expecting. I'm gonna even tell you how much I got paid. I got paid three hundred and ten dollars. Okay. And bro, for right now, that's a really good fucking gig, bro. Yeah, no, I it, think about it, bro. Think about all the high profile gigs that you've been on that are really good paying gigs, you know? Mm-hmm. And the three hundred dollar gigs are the gigs that we can just go down the house, go down the street from the crib and do. Yeah. You know? But now, uh, that's what that is. And then think about this. The idea of sold out now versus what it used to be. Sold out used to be, depending on the venues, venues that you play, would be anywhere between 2,500 tickets sold, maybe, maybe 5,000 tickets sold if you're on a bigger scale, mm-hmm. maybe even more than that. Sold out now means 20 people. That's insane to me, man. Because you got to stay the fuck away from niggas. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? You got to stay away from people. You got to you gotta have a mask on. You got to have hand sanitizer. No, Luke, you're not getting none. Um, you know, you got to have all kind of, you got you to gotta have all kinds of shit. Right. That, we, that weren't necessary. You know, you can, you can be sweaty and all up on somebody at a gig and not have to worry about dying when you left. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing, too, is that if things ever do go back to normal, things will never be back to normal. Right. Absolutely not. You know, because people are going to be like, yo, maybe maybe we get a vaccine from this and then we can all go back to our regularly, regularly scheduled program or not. But, you know, hey, people, people, this this is turning people into germaphobes. It is. If you weren't ever a germaphobe before, you are now. Yeah, you know, I, I everybody's I, gonna have hand sanitizer in their car. Every the Japanese was had this, bro. They had to drop on. I think they had to drop on all of this shit long before we even started wearing masks. I see. You know, it's funny to see Americans wear masks. It doesn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise you to see. You know what I'm saying? And 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 I hope that don't sound racist or anything like that because it's not. That's not where the intention. No, no. no it's but a it's a cultural thing. That's, it's a cultural thing yeah. where, as you would see, Japanese people and Chinese people already with masks on, right? You know, and maybe they're the germaphobes of of the culture, but we'd always you'd always see that, and that wouldn't be anything that surprised you, you yeah. know. 
Uh, but now seeing Americans with masks on all the time is surprising. That's some surprising shit. Yeah. If someone had leaked a photo this time last year, like from the future, like if someone just like randomly texted me from mm, the future mm, yeah. and was like, hey, here's what it's going to look like in November, just out and about. And I saw masks. I'd sort of wonder why they'd be wearing masks. But and I like apocalyptic movies, too. So that's the first thing that I think. Yeah. Like what happened? Like this is the end. Something happened. Yeah. Somebody fucked a goat. And... <laughs> <laughs> right but you know, know what i'm saying break out yeah but dude you know I'm, what I'm, i mean I'm, I'm gonna wear a mask forever man like i'm i'm in i like that ninja shit dude like just you know it's it's more diabolical you look more diabolical if you, you roll. look more diabolical with a mask you are a diabolical motherfucker too so you would be the nigga that wear a mask okay you wear one <laughs> <laughs> you would steve because i know you bro and i know how you get down bro you're like man look no mask up bro get the fuck away from me bro <laughs> i mean you know that's the part that i think everybody's waiting to figure out though and i guess we won't know until until maybe i think it's gonna be a while man i think it's, it's gonna look it's gonna be a, look like you said it's gonna be a while i'm think longer yeah think longer whatever a while is add add about four more years onto a while yeah. Whatever a while is for you, add about four more years for things to completely go back to normal. Right. To go back to where they were before that. Yeah. That's it's gonna take a long fucking time, bro. Because you also gotta think about the thinking of the people, the mind frame of how people think and how people will process going out to a gig, going out to a restaurant. Right. You know what I'm saying? going out to these public places where they're going to be other people where they, they could possibly get sick. Yeah. You know, somebody will get, get the flu or get the sniffles from somebody. It's not Corona, but they're going to think the worst for, for the longest time, bro. It's going to be a long time before the thinking and the mind frame is, uh, is, um, is repaired. Yeah, exactly. I think it's going to, it's going to make me a lot more selective about if I ever oh. eat out again, like I'm going to think long and hard about where that is. Like mm -hmm. I'm sure people right now are thinking like, like would I ever go to a place like Applebee's where they got like sleds and mailboxes and old signs on the wall. Nope. I'm not dying nope. for that shit. <laughs> no, sir. Not me. Not the kid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think that's the that's the part that everybody, especially in our in in our realm of this world, uh, the music, live music thing, and and also uh, you know anyone that works works. Well, that's the thing too. I think for me, not to cut you off, but I think that uh, I think that us as musicians and people who have to do with live music, we're going to be the first ones to jump. Yeah, because we're tired of sitting at home. We want to play. Right. You know, we're going to be the first ones to jump. So, um, and I think that due to how fast we jump is going to affect how other people jump because there's also people who really need us. They yeah. need to be seeing live music. Yeah. I know people that need live music. They do. They really and they're not getting paid for it. They spending the money. Like I need it because 
because I'm getting paid too. I need to, because I need to do it. But now I need to get paid also. But these motherfuckers are spending the money. These motherfuckers work two and three jobs so that they can go out and see live music and spend money. Yeah, the lifers, like the people that... The lifers, yes, exactly. Just like the lifers, exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, it's real deep, man. All we can do is just... Anybody listening, just please keep your mask on and keep your face covered and your hands covered or in your pockets and stay the fuck off people. You want to talk to somebody so bad, send them a text. (laughs) Call them. Even if they, even if they five feet away from you, if it's that bad, then do that. Cause we, cause if you want us to, if you want us to come back to work, this is what you're going to have to do. And see, this is what I always knew. I knew, see other countries got their fucking shit together on coronavirus. They got it together and they figured it out. You don't hear about nothing happening nowhere else, but here because people over here are too fucking stubborn. You know, it's a conspiracy. They don't want you to wear a mask. You fucking idiot. You wear a mask so you can keep yourself healthy. Not for the other motherfucker. You. Yeah, you fucking dummy. Yeah, public you health. fucking dummy. <laughs> yeah, personal freedom in public health. Get the fuck really out of here with that shit. Oh my yeah. god, these people who who spew that bullshit. I just want man, I'm telling you, man, listen. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, no, it's it's I, I, I have to say most of the things I see in my immediate area are not too bad. Like there's there's definitely like people wearing masks and stuff. Um one of my neighbors doesn't, and I just like I give them like the side eye, like from with my mask on with shades and stuff, so they can't really see the side eye. But, um, but you're my manning him to bits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's, but you know, it, it's it's outside. It's not indoors, so that kind of reduces the thing. But yeah, dude, it's 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 a fucking it's scary, man. I think. Being out here, uh, I'm not near my family, and and that's been weird. I feel like I'm How is kind everybody of at home for you. They're, I mean, like, thankfully everybody's great. Everybody's like healthy. I talk to my mom a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. She's she's very diligent and she takes care of herself. But um, yeah, I think that's my biggest hope and desire is that like I don't lose anybody from this, and that it's already sort of happened. Like you know, there's already been people that have. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. See, we lost Ellis not too long ago down here because of the virus. You know, that was a sad day in New Orleans, man. Let me tell you. Yeah. Because we all love Ellis, man. Ellis, man. God damn. Yeah, I mean, there's so many like Wallace Roney. Wallace Roney died. Um, yeah. Hal Wilner. Um, mm-hmm. Dude, it's 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 nuts. But um, what uh, what so what do you what's the next year? looking like for you are you just going to try to like work on some different music what do you what do you got uh planned are you i'm actually working on uh well i had a new record that i just did uh my my technically my third solo record mm-hmm. uh, is uh record i did with butcher brown that's coming out in february awesome i love those guys butcher brown shout out to butcher brown one of the greatest bands in history. I'm telling you, DJ Harrison is my twin. I love that dude. That dude is the most talented dude that I know. And the only way, the only reason I would play with myself 
no pause hold on phrasing (laughs) let me me fix that the only way that i would clone myself and be in a band with myself is if i were dj harrison which kind of has already happened so if you ever want to see my twin check out butcher brown he is the greatest ever um so i got that coming out i have a quarantine collection coming out of songs that i'm just doing with my friends Sending stuff back and forth. I gotta send you some shit. Yeah, get me probably not gonna come out until summertime. It's a little. It's just gonna be a long while because I'm still putting it together, but it's coming together good. I'm playing a lot of business, and this is also a record that I get to play bass on. So I'm playing bass on a lot of the stuff because I've been I've been really feeling myself on bass lately. (laughs) That's cool. I've been playing some guitar, so I, I get it. But I've been playing a lot of bass also. You know, and that's the thing too is that being locked up is just teach, it's just teaching you how to do something else too, which I think is really good. Uh, let us we just put out a, we just put out another record. We're actually kind of working on some stuff remotely as well, so I'm thinking some new lettuce stuff will come out. There's going to be an It's Power reunion record that I'm doing. Sweet, we're getting the band back together, and Great. We're putting, and we're doing a and we're doing a reunion record. That's really that's that's really good. I'm doing shit with I'm doing some other shit with Nikki Glassby. So I've got some shit going. Uh, you know, and if anybody ever wants it's just a this little shameless plug here. If anybody wants to have me on their shit, just hit me up. Yeah. We'll discuss rates. Because I still gotta get paid. Hey, yeah, me too. Me you know too. what I'm saying? Yeah. You ain't got I I do yours for free. We got hey and we and look, I still want to do that for love. I come your friend, man, on my um on my uh quarantine record. So so be ready for the call when that when that happens. Of course. But, yeah, um, and I I would love to do something. I mean I, I I have this vision of doing it some kind of a record with you and Deitch and you know, well, let's do it then, man. Let's just fucking start doing it now. Oh, yeah. And me and Dice did a fusion record together. Just us two. Maybe you can get on some of that stuff. Yeah, I would love to, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to send you some of that shit so you can hear it. Ooh, yeah. it sounds like you'd be so proud of me. You'd be so proud of me. You'd be like, oh, Dice. Oh, man. No, <laughs> I, I kind of knew you had that in you, man. I remember Ron Ron Johnson told me, uh, He, I think he was – he was telling me about when you were working on your record and it was something like, he's like, man, now I just trying to play synth solos and they don't want them to or something like that. And I was oh, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's actually video footage of that particular night where me and Kraz literally got into an argument. And that's another thing. Beautiful thing about Kraz too, is that, like I said, I learned how to make records from, from, from him and watching yeah. him do it and watching him make that record with me. Yeah. Is that that ladies and gentlemen is not the mini Moog fucking fusion record. Sonically, right. we didn't use instruments to support doing shit like that. Sure. So he was just like, all right, you know what? You want to do it? Go ahead and do it. And I did it, and I heard it, and I fucking hated it. And he was like, see, I tried to fucking tell you. I tried to tell you. Yeah. You know, this it's next record like is more that. of the record that's going to be like that. I have a, I had, I have a few, I have a few duke, dukings that I, that, I, that, I was, that the music allowed me to do. And the way I feel about this particular record, is that just like I said, there's one record that every artist does that, you know, that you shouldn't do stuff off of. I'm not saying that about with this, but I will say that this is the one record that, like, I don't care if anybody hears it. I'm just glad to have been able to put something so deep and so me out in the world that I can say that this record is the exuberation of who I am 
as a person and every record that we make as artists is we want to put as much of that as in that record so people can hear who you are and this next record is called spiritual this next record is that for me you know like just the one record i'm like okay i don't care if anybody buys it i mean i obviously want people to buy it i'm not i'm not saying i don't want but like to know that i've done something to this magnitude Mm -hmm. in my life that represents me and who i am that record's it that's awesome man so when's that coming out when's that uh that's probably Probably gonna come. I'm I'm pushing for February fifteenth. Okay, right on. Not not too too far away. Right. It's gonna be February before you know it when they start playing fucking Christmas music. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, man, I'm glad we got to do this. This was a man. Fun- me too, bro. We this is a long time coming, man. We need to talk more often, bro. I know it's getting I know it's getting wild out here in the streets, man. But for sure, I just want to say I fucking love you, Steve, and like you're the great you. You 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 are one of my heroes, bro. You really, really are. I'm not even bullshitting. Like I don't I don't I don't I don't bullshit with my friends, you know, and like I mean I do, but it not 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 like, you know, not like you would man, let me start over. I love you, Steve, and you are the greatest and I'm glad to know you and I'm glad that we've had the, the the time that we have had together and let's fucking make some fucking music now because now that we fucking can we've all been saying oh we got to make some music but we ain't never we never had the time to do it now all we got is fucking time so let's fucking right. make some let's make a record bro yeah man let's do it take care and i'll talk to you soon i love you so much steve you know what it is baby yeah i love you too bro all right that's gonna do it for this week's episode tune in next week Thanks so much for listening to 30 episodes of Stir Crazy with Steve Jenkins. More to come. Be well.